Experience an interfaith learning center, a sacred community, and a spiritual home at One Spirit to be of service in today's rapidly changing world. Explore opportunities in seminary, interspiritual companioning and counseling certificate programs, and experiential community workshops and events throughout the year. Visit onespirit.org slash encounter to discover what's possible. That's one, the number one, spirit.org slash encounter. Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Ann Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this week's episode, SDI's creative director, Matt Whitney, chats with Marion Sorensen, an English spiritual companion based out of Ibiza, Spain. Marion uses a holistic approach to her integrative practice, which includes the modalities of spiritual direction, holistic health coaching, and life coaching. You can find out more about Marion at her website, Growing Edges. That's growing-edges.com. Marion, thank you so much for your time. This it's like late afternoon for you. It's early morning for me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and share a little bit about your work as a as a spiritual director, a spiritual companion. I'm a mom and a wife. I'm a mom of four adult sons. I've been married to my Danish husband for 40 years now. We've got four lovely grandchildren two who live here in Ibiza. We're living currently in Ibiza, one of the Balearic Islands of Spain, in the beautiful sunshine and the beautiful countryside. It's a very scenic island, very small. So as far as spiritual direction goes, I'm very passionate about seeing people thrive, body, soul, and spirit. So my journey has been one of combining counseling, holistic health coaching, and spiritual direction, because I'm actually trained in all three. I'm a life coach, I'm a counselor, I'm a holistic health coach, and I'm a passionate spiritual director, because I believe so firmly in us being integrated beings, and you can't really separate body, soul, and spirit if people are going to thrive. I have a practice called Growing Edges. I'm online. I only recently went online and got a website, etc. But I've practiced for many, many years by referral and relational connections. But last year, during the whole COVID piece, so many people were hungry and looking for support. And I had many people come to me and say, you know, we really think you should um, be accessible. We should be able to find you. People should be able to find you online. So that was a big stretch for me because... That wasn't something I was familiar with. So um, I did that last year, set up this practice online called Growing Edges. And I called it that because I'm passionate about coming alongside people to help them discern and recognize where are their invitations to growth on this spiritual journey and journey of life. You know, it might be. So, So I approach each person who comes very individually Sessions vary a lot because I can draw from different skills and different approaches. But the essence of it all and the driving passion underlying it all 
is I, lo- I love to see people come into wholeness and thriving and enjoying their lives and fulfilling their purpose and destiny. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And I think you said it, you train in all of these different modalities of spiritual companionship. You're trained as a spiritual director and as a counselor and a holistic life coach. How do you present that as in terms of the the elevator pitch? Like when you're talking to somebody new and they're like, oh, what do you do? How do you respond to that? Do you have a one line that works that encompasses all of that? It's been a challenge, actually. And I do adapt sometimes depending on who I'm speaking with. I usually say I'm a holistic life coach and I love using an integrative approach and they go, oh, what's integrative? Or they love the word integrative because they're already there to where they understand and have a value for integration. So it varies. I often don't call myself actually a spiritual director because I find a lot of the younger generation in particular can misunderstand that and interpret that to mean I'm directing people somewhere. And actually, I'll just play that down or I'll explain it if I am going to use that term. So I don't pitch myself as a spiritual director. I am primarily a holistic life coach because life involves body, soul and spirit. And then I can unpack more if people want to know. Yeah. So you're in Ibiza and you're from the UK, but you've also trained in the States, right? Where are people coming from that find you and want to work with you? Well, since I've gone online, I'm finding people are coming mostly from the UK, actually, interestingly. I've got a few people journeying alongside right now in London, one in Dorset, one in Devon, and a couple from the States. You know, we can work around the timeframes. It works quite well, really. It's their morning like this call here we're doing and my evening. So that works out. Actually, I can take people from wherever, but I'm finding mostly from the States and from the UK and from here in Ibiza, Spain. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with the, you were talking about the term spiritual director. And even though that's something you're well versed in, it's a term that you what I hear you're you're redefining or at least to explain it to people. I know a little bit about sort of spiritual direction culture in the UK. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit because you are a vocational holistic life coach. Like you do it for a living, you receive payment for services. And I understand that's not as common in the UK. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say it definitely has not been common. It's becoming more common as the value and appreciation for such work is growing. I'm of an age where 20 years ago, it was offensive to some for me to be asking payment for spiritual accompaniment. And actually, I didn't. For many, many years, I didn't ask for payment. But there's been a shift and an understanding of the need for such accompaniment and I think that's really had an impact and there's been a hunger for actually among the younger generation as I've noticed for liturgical rhythms for going back to ancient wisdom in the crazy of the modern contemporary scenario which has stirred so many questions for people especially younger generation I've found they are hungry and looking to go back to 
ancient roots, ancient Celtic roots, you know, what was ancient Celtic wisdom like in the early Celtic church. There were rhythms. It was very holistic. It was very grounded in practices and being close to nature, combining that with the supernatural experiences that were common and valued and honored. So I think there's been a big shift. And because of that big shift, I've adapted. And I feel like I'm kind of able to come out more with what I can offer on that front. I'm much more well-received now and sought after. Yeah, well, uh, particularly as you talk about helping people integrate their experiences and their intuitions, and I think you referred to it as invitations. You used a better term, but you could say more about that. Like, how do you help people discern what is perhaps a divine invitation for them or offering them rhythms that help them integrate their lived experiences with their relationships and all of that? I found that just the sheer intentionality of creating space to pay attention to what's happening within is powerful, really powerful. And so when they come to me, they're investing in their own journey, in their own process to such a degree that they are setting time aside, carving out space in the usually busy lives. And then I use practices such as focusing, you know, that might be paying attention to what's happening in their bodies paying attention to what's happening emotionally, paying attention to what's been happening over the previous days between when they see me. Maybe they've been journaling. It all depends what works for the individual as far as tools to help them pay attention and notice what's really going on. And creating that safe, intentional space safe because it's confidential, because I'm not going to be giving them any unsolicited advice. I'm not going to be judging anything they want to process or unpack. I'm going to be a listening, attentive presence so that they can pay attention to what's happening and they can explore. They can vent if they need to vent. I find often people when they first come and they're not used to the process of deep reflection or deep attentiveness to themselves, They need tools such as breathing exercises, slowing everything down. If they're artistic and creative, often they like to doodle. They'll bring their journal to me and and we'll be attentive to what came out of that doodling together or that artwork. Different for each person. I'm also an essential oils practitioner. I'm a huge lover of the essential oils. Interesting. I love the grounding and healing aspects of the oils too. So I actually often, if they're with me present, offer them one of my oils for them to breathe. And just that helps many people come into a state of relaxation or attentiveness, or I encourage that if we're online, usually we're online these days. So to get their own oils and try something that will help them. I help them find what works best for them as far as connecting with themselves and paying attention. So when somebody comes to you and they're trying to connect with their divine knowing or inner knowing, 
you mentioned creating a listening space and a trusting space and helping people kind of listen to their emotions and focusing on feelings or sensations in their bodies. What do you look for as sort of clues or signs or keys in that listening that help you kind of help people kind of zero in on what is that inner knowing? You know, what is that divine speaking within somebody? When I'm noticing that somebody is in anxiety, I can often see it on their body language, but they need to be engaged with that. So I will allow space. It's always invitational. I always say to people up front, if you don't resonate with what I'm offering, this is your time. This is your space. You're in control here. You just tell me you want to try something else. Many of them actually know what they want to do. They'll come and they'll say, I need to vent. And then let's have some space to listen and be attentive. They know what they need, but some don't know what they need, especially in the early stages. And some may be really pent up with tension in the body. So I have them notice if they're up for that and that's comfortable for them, I'll have them take some time, focus on their breath, nice deep breaths. And then in that space, when they're settled and comfortable, to just notice what's happening in the body, where are they holding the tension? And then even if they're comfortable with this, and I'll prep them beforehand, to give the body permission to let go of that tension and to take a few good deep breaths while they do that, to be kind to themselves rather than feeling like they're anxious and they're bottled up and they're stuffing it down. I'm trying to do the opposite, actually say no emotions are bad or wrong, they just are. And they actually are clues to something deeper. So, for example, I've learned to pay close attention to if I have a feeling of resentment. It's a red flag to me now that I'm probably pushing a boundary that I shouldn't be in my own stewarding of myself and self-care. So um, if they're open to that approach and that works for them, we'll do more of that. If they're not, some people just really want to, they're talkers they're verbal processes and they don't want to do that feely thing. You know? yeah. So I work with what they need and want because often people will come with questions to me, especially in the early stages of their maturity spiritually with, you know, what do you think I should do? And that's the red alert for me as in, well, let's reframe that. What's the heart, the essence of the question you want to ask? I'll support you in that. And they ask I direct them, I position them to ask that question of the divine of God themselves mm. and listen to the answer. And I find that massively growth promoting. It can be awkward at first for some people because they, you know, they're used to wanting quick, snappy answers and this is how we're going to do it and blah, blah. But when I avoid that and steer them into that place of listening for themselves, I see the growth and they see the growth. Yeah, and they usually thank me for it later. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so challenging to, you know, the word that comes up for me is trust. For example, if I come to you for spiritual direction, coaching, and I ask you, you know, help me discern, like, what would you do or what would you say to this issue or problem or whatever? And you are helping to kind of turn that back and help that person ask that of themselves. 
ask that question not so like explicitly to you, but to sort of redirect it. You know, you said I do direct people. You're redirecting them back to their own yeah. inner knowing. That's empowering them with confidence in their inner knowing, and it's helping them grow in exercising that attentiveness themselves because it's like a muscle, you know, growing in attentiveness. And it can be a, a bit of a lazy cop out in a way. And I'm not saying if you haven't learned the skill of attentiveness, there's no easy way to learn it other than to practice it. So if people are in the early initial stages, I can usually tell that, you know, and so I exercise trust in their process, step back. And um, often there's what we call, there can be some resistance and that's okay. That's where I'm invited to trust their process and hold them in that space. I mean, if people ask me for testimonial, sometimes I feel stirred to share testimonials from my journey that helps build faith and courage to lean into the process. That's fine. But it's when it switches, it moves beyond that into what should I do? I won't answer them on that. As in, I won't give them solutions. They will find those themselves and I will confirm or, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's like the growing edge for the spiritual companion, right? It's yeah. learning how to not direct even when like asked, like, please tell me, <laughs> what should I do? That's where the process of supervision for us is really important because that's where we get to be supported and have fellow companions journey with us as spiritual directors to explore why we did what we did with the directee, why we took it a certain way or didn't, what's going on for us, what did it trigger in us when somebody asks us a question like that or made a comment such as, it's all part of our growth process. And that's great because it keeps us humble in and recognizing that we're all learning together. Yeah, thank you for naming that, yeah, the supervision relationship and how critical that is. It actually reminds me I need to call my supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been a it's been a while. <laughs> you mentioned and we were talking about this earlier, divine invitations. Yeah. A really interesting conversation, which is a discernment process. But listening to you and getting to know you, Marion, I hear somebody who is very attuned to those invitations and also very trusting of them. Can you speak to that a little bit? How you understand divine invitations in our lives and, and how one might discern how to hear those invitations and then how to accept them. It's been a lifelong journey for me of risking, really. Risk is another word for trust, isn't it? And when I first began to get what I believe were divine invitations, they would come through a place of prayer, insight, inspiration, desire. Often it begins with a desire in our hearts. I really desire or long for something and I'll pay attention to that and bring it into a place of prayer and work with it and look at it and notice it. But often, as I was sharing with you before the call, Matt, 
sometimes something will come like a download for me. I think we're all very different in this, but for me, my personal process has been something will drop into my spirit, I call it. I mean, I know semantics can sound weird, but that's how it feels to me. When something comes by revelation, it comes often with just a strong desire and unction and a knowing to do something. And when that first started to happen for me, it was actually really, really challenging and quite scary because I could see things down the road ahead of me walking into them and us walking into them as a family. And of course, our choices impact other people. So it was a journey with my husband to learn how to just share, look, this is what I sense might be an invitation for us going forward. Thankfully, as I said to you before, I've got a very adventurous husband who was up for taking some risks with me. And because we took risks and actually aligned with some invitations that seemed unorthodox, not common, not your normal way of living, we began to see that by taking the step of moving into those things, things would unfold, situations, circumstances, finances would begin to come into place in a way that we could never have manufactured so that we could see, well, there's something supernatural on this. There's something empowered on this because we've said, yes, we've taken a risk. We've aligned ourselves to move into it and things would open up. And I've now got really a book of stories that I could write about having taken those risks. Yeah. And I think that would make compelling reading for us. <laughs> that may be a download you've received. I mean, you've said yes to a lot of these invitations. And even when the, well, you put it as, you know, sometimes those invitations run counter to conventional wisdom. Absolutely. That's well put, well put Matt. Well, counter you said, I'm just repeating <laughs> <laughs> Good summary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there must be sometimes trials or roadblocks, things that pop up. Absolutely. Um, that I don't know if you've experienced doubt or um, I'm sure you've certainly experienced trust, like just keep going. This is this is right. This is the right path. Um, yeah. But um, that can be really hard, you know. Yeah, one of the hardest things for me is I'm a relational person and I love community. And a lot of these challenges in our lives would cause reactions in other people around us, close to us, of like, of judgment, really, of flat out, <laughs> we don't think you should do this. And yet the conviction would be burning in us, you know, my own family, my own father. When I had a conviction at one point, we as a family were to relocate across the ocean. That was the big, that was a biggie. Practically, we were living in England and I had this download in the spirit, in prayer, about an invitation to a whole new season of our lives and that it would be important for one of our sons to move to the States for his calling and future. Anyway, I had this invitation, submitted it to others for accountability, and everybody reacted like, you know, you're a mother, you're supposed to be taking care of your children, what, what's going to happen to your family, what's going to happen to your marriage if you do this. But thankfully, again, I had a very supportive husband. He trusted with me and we did it. We actually, over a period and a process, 
we actually relocated from England, sold up in England, went to Kansas City and became part of a hub of a community there. And all kinds of wonderful things opened up for us. But the challenges, like you're saying, were enormous. Relationally was the highest cost for me because people would back off and you know, my heart would be that when we have an invitation and a challenge that people would rally and cheer and champion one another. And that's now my heart for other people. Whenever I hear people being challenged with their own risks and faith journeys, I want to celebrate. I want to come alongside and support them because that's something that I longed for that was lacking somewhat. We did have some few choice friends who really got it and championed us and I'm thankful to them to this day and we had people who like we had uh, an elder at one point who was completely against us when we did it you know God the divine spoke to that guy and actually realigned him and he apologized to us for resisting us but he said you know I commend you and I can see that you've grown through doing this because a few years down the line the fruit shows, doesn't it, of the steps and the journey begins to stack up and the testimonials stack up. And now we have a whole stash of amazing testimonials of having said yes, taken the risk and the growth has been huge and the fruit has been huge. But there have certainly been struggles and doubts along the way. And that was all part of my growth process and made me very aware that I needed help on my journey that pushed me into needing spirit, wanting, wanting spiritual direction and companionship. It was really that, that that triggered my needing and wanting to have that for myself, which is where it all started for me to want to be one for other people. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I mean, what I'm hearing is just the evidence that the divine invitation is authentic is the story, the lived story of it. In the telling of the story, it becomes so clear to others as well as yourself. You can look back on it and be like, here's where I trusted. And wow, like beyond any expectation or sense of what would happen, and maybe even you had a sense of what would happen and it looked completely different, but even more profoundly true than you could have imagined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's certainly added amazingly to the community of our lives traveling abroad we've got friendships now that are for life through having said yes and it's changed us positively we've grown in trust and compassion and hopefully in um, curiosity yeah Oh, it's so inspiring to talk to you I have two more quick questions I did want to touch on essential oils really quick do you have one you might recommend or like a practice of using essential oils with somebody to help them sort of awaken to an inner knowing or a sense of the divine? Uh, yeah, frankincense is known for being is nicknamed the gold of essential oils because it's so stimulating and yet so powerfully gentle. It does awaken people to sensitivity in the spirit realm. And it also is very healing and calming and yet invigorating at the same time. So I highly recommend frankincense. But really the key with essential oils is to allow them to draw you because our bodies know what they need. They have intelligence and the oils have intelligence as well. You know, the wisdom of nature. 
So invite people to smell. Like I have my peppermint right here because that's a stimulating one. Wonderful if you're feeling a bit sleepy, you need awakening, you need a stimulus. I've got my langalang here. That's calming. And rosemary is one I'm loving at the moment. The rosemary bushes surround us everywhere here on the island. And rosemary is highly invigorating and balancing of emotions. So I invite people to just explore. Do you use a diffuser or are you just in a pure sense? Yeah, I use a diffuser. I've got two, one next to the bed and one in the living room. Purification oils, orange oil. If I need an uplift in my mood, orange is brilliant for that. So they all have different properties and qualities. They're like different personalities. And these wonderful oils all have different uses. So it's a journey of exploration. Yeah, I am um, inspired. I mean, I use like lavender for in bed when I need to relax or go to sleep. Yeah. And we rub them on your feet. Often we do foot soaks with them while you're grounding. You can put peppermint in there, any mix that you like in there. Cool. Um, and then my last question, just to kind of come back to, you know, you were working on your website and receiving clients virtually because of the pandemic. And that's actually how I found you was through your profile on the SDI, Find a Spiritual Companion Guide. It was very professional and very well put together. And your description of growing edges was compelling. It's like, oh, she sounds cool. I'll reach out. My question for you is just, you're an SDI member. And when did you become a member? And what has that been like for you being a part of the SDI community? Yeah, I first became a member when I graduated from the spiritual direction program that I did 11 years ago at Creighton University. I'd never heard of, of SDI, but they recommended we get connected with a larger movement than ourselves because the nature of our work is really individual. So we needed to be intentional about connection. And I was all up for that. So I signed up and got connected didn't really do a whole lot with SDI for some years because I was focused on other things. But then more recently in the last two years, I'd say, where I really felt compelled to start bringing this to the fore again and offering it more intentionally to people, I got much more connected and I've taken a couple of webinars, one on rewilding that was absolutely perfect timing for me because I was in a retreat in the wilds up in the mountains in Ibiza last winter that was beautiful rich journey with others and then I did one with Mirabai star and that was beautiful and feministic wisdom really rich and a beautiful one I did that's left a legacy of peer supervision for me is one with um, Lucy Abbott Tucker I did the webinar on supervision and we formed a group post that so we I connected with six other beautiful people in SDI and we now monthly meet with one another online and we offer peer supervision to one another and that group has really bonded it's really beautiful so thank you for hosting these kind of webinars and resources so that we can find each other people of like heart and passion yes you're so welcome that that does my heart good to hear just not just how our webinars are sort of educational or equipping for your practice, but also the community that can be formed through that. Like just hearing that, like, wow, you formed a peer supervision group through that webinar. That's amazing. So we work around the time zones and the other five are all in the States and it works and it's great. Oh, that's so cool. I can't wait to tell the staff. <laughs> this is very encouraging. Thank you. We're kind of at the end of our time. 
Is there anything that Marianne, you would like to share that we haven't talked about yet or anything you would like to say as part of this interview? Yes, I think I'd just like to encourage everyone listening to stay curious in their spiritual growth and their spiritual journey, because I'm in the second half of life now. You know, I'm a grandma and I've been around a lot. And yet the invitation to me is continually to stay curious, stay open, stay willing to take the risks, stay willing to be authentic and be accountable to others in this journey and process of being open, being vulnerable with others. We are all learning. We continue to be learners. And it keeps us fresh and open to the invitations to our growing edges as long as we're alive. Yeah, what a beautiful invitation and encouragement. Marion, thank you so much. I'm so glad to have found you on our guide and I'm grateful that you're part of the SDI community and, and I'm glad that we're friends now. This is really rich. Really rich. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you for your time. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word, about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.